Hello everybody and welcome back to Discerning Consciousness. I'm your host Ant and I'm once again joined by my co-host Mike. Yeah, hi, nice to be here again. Thank you again for joining us. Always uh, love doing these shows. <laughs> yeah, it's good to have you on board. Um, so in today's episode, uh, we are going to cover the thorny issue of the current coronavirus outbreak. Um, as we've said before, uh, Mike, when um, big events come up, world issues we like to cover them on discerning consciousness don't we yeah trying to mitigate some of that panic and fear that's going on at the sure. moment because in the in the last few days here in the uk at least um the fear and uh the analogies to to war preparation are, are just off the scale aren't they yeah and it's been ramping up so quickly we thought we've just got to do something about yeah this. so we're going to bring our unique unique perspective i should say so just a very quick run through what we'll be covering very quickly in this episode first of all we're going to just look at, at some of the facts around the coronavirus uh, then we're going to look at to some of the reactions that are currently going on the, around the world and the economic fallout and then we'll get on to the juicy part, Mike, which is the conspiracy angle. Yeah, always love that part. Yeah, and we're going to look at different uh, conspiracy theories uh, around in terms of what the real agenda is in terms of um, this current pandemic. And um, at the end, we're going to just give our own perspective on how we think um, things might pan out from now. So... Um, once again, thank you for joining us all. Um, so we go, we'll begin basically with um, the facts of this outbreak, uh, Mike. So it first came to light around about December last year, um, 2019 or January 2020, when it uh, broke out in the Wuhan province of China. Is that right? Well, of course, you know, that's right. Everyone yeah. knows that one. It's uh, being spread out all over the Internet. Um it's what was it it's kind of weird how the moniker coronavirus is being spread around so much considering it was just such an umbrella term to mentioning a type of um virus yeah and um now we've got the whole covid19 name for it it's just more accurate in that sense yeah um because what's well, quite interesting that um sars is also fitting in the coronavirus term so so you know, is that why they've added the code is it covid19 yeah because it's more like its own name rather sure. than just let's use an umbrella term to describe this thing yeah um yeah so it's quite interesting um how you know it was misnamed or well not misnamed just named it the way it was to begin with um the whole thing that it started in wuhan you know especially with the um what biomechanical facility there yeah. um everyone thinks it's just fairly obvious it's like an accident a mistake you know sure. something got released and yeah it's uh kind of uh, spread like wildfire you could say and initially uh before we look at some of the current figures or the levels of outbreak and the current deaths from coronavirus initially at least it was very much well this is just an asian china thing it's not going to affect us here in the west so it wasn't even news headlines i mean it was on the news wasn't it but yeah yeah it was just like oh it will be us it will be like sars it won't really affect us here in the west so we're not really bothered but it really has, uh, like I said, spread like wildfire. With, and... with the announcement by the World Health Organization this week that Europe is now the epicenter. That's what they've announced, haven't they? <laughs> Fair enough. I don't know. don't really keep track with the mainstream media yeah, too sure. much, if you know what I mean. Sure. Um, but yeah, if we get to the, the actual figures and... Yeah. You know, this is helpful for our listeners. Yeah, it does seem to be doing quite a big impact to the world. And the fact that um, there's over 6,000 deaths recorded so far, yeah. which does sound really bad. But on the plus side of this thing, it does have a 93% recovery rate. So um, honestly, unless you're really old, have a compromised immune system or have an underlying health issue to do with your lungs, um, that you're going to die from this in the first place. Mm. Um, so most people who are of kind of like, you know, average age, um, average health, mm. you're generally going to be fine through this. You're going to get ill for a week. You might be bedridden, but you'll get out of it. Mm. But there's just so much panic. Mm. It's ridiculous. Um, so let's try and uh, compare this to other viruses that um spread around recently so like there was SARS in the 2002 and 4 um yeah. swine flu in 2009 bird flu in 2012 how do they compare to this thing right um and it turns out that you know SARS only actually killed about 800 people at the time and mm -hmm. um, SARS is a part of this coronavirus family so obviously that wasn't nearly as deadly as this 
but at the time the media was making a big panic and hoo-ha about this mm. but um nowhere near to the level that they've gone this time mm. which is to be fair because this is more deadly by the looks of it mm. um then this is the big one sw swine flu in 2009 yeah um that one killed apparently in the outbreak itself um 16,000 but over a longer period of time it has killed That's quite a far number. more people but that one was actually linked to the um the spanish flu you know right. the original a different variant or strains well it's linked to it um it's just like evolution of because everything evolves eventually at that point mm. um if we go to bird flu that one almost nothing 300 359 people right um which if you compare that to the average seasonal flu the seasonal flu kills thousands sure. of people yeah but to be fair it affects far more people yeah um yeah but if you go back to this whole spanish flu thing that was the real the real well the most recent one we can remember on record where it killed so many millions of people 18 yeah, yeah. After the first world war finished yeah. apparently that one affected 500 million people which was like 20 percent of the world's population back oh, then that's a lot isn't it yeah and then i mean the figures vary on this because accurate tracking in those times wasn't great so it could have mm. killed anywhere between 17 to 50 million people mm. So that was horrendous at the time, just especially after we get getting out well, of World War One. Do you think it would have affected a lot of soldiers coming back from the front line? I mean, how awful to have survived something like the First World War in the bunkers on the front line and then to come back and, and die of a virus. I mean, yeah. it just doesn't even worth considering how awful it must have been for those soldiers. I know, right. But even that Spanish flu that killed all those people, it still only tracked at a 10% kill rate. Right, okay. Yeah, um, considering the this current outbreak is tracking so far, if we go by the worldwide numbers at least, it's a 7% kill rate. Mm. Um, but in Italy and Iran it's a lot higher, isn't it? Well actually, it's interesting that um, China, if you look at the pure numbers, actually ranks lower at something like 3.6% um, kill right. rate, um, where Italy is closer to that 7% mark. So this is why the when I say the overall kill rate it's sure. the global average in a sense yeah um so yeah this thing is something to be worried about mm. it is causing major problems and this is why we're covering it but actually the death rates are still as a percentage you know of the as of the actual global population is still very very low yeah tiny. Um, so that's why i say the only time you need to be worried is if you fall into those high-risk category groups mm. um and according to the numbers, at least 10% of cases mm. are actually um, high risk cases. Mm. And even out of those, about 3% of them recover. Well, no, I should say 30% of those yeah, in high risk recover. Mm. Um, so it's not that bad for the everyday person, if you know what I mean. Mm. I mean, I hate to say it this, but just talking about the averages. Mm. So there are going to be a lot of people out there in those high risks that do need to take precautions. Um, but as long as everyone washes their hands, you know, keeps good hygiene um, and isolates themselves if they know they're ill, mm. it shouldn't be that bad at all. So as on the day of this recording, which is Sunday, March the 15th, here in the UK, there's a big controversy around the UK government's approach. So they are following the idea of trying to create herd immunity. So I wonder if for our listeners, uh, if you could just describe what that means. Okay, and so uh, herd immunity is basically the idea that um, enough people come down with this, mm. recover from it. Each of those people that do recover should, in theory, build up an immunity to that virus. So if they catch it again, they won't get it. Yeah. But if they've got immunity to it, it means that they're not really passing it on to anyone else as well. But this does mean that um, the virus is going to essentially affect, I mean, from what I've heard, it's going to affect something like 60%. 60%. Yeah, to actually get that herd immunity status. So it's also important to point out, especially for our non-UK listeners who might not be aware, that there isn't a uniform agreement amongst scientists. I mean, obviously, the government are following their scientists, which are following a policy of um, herd, we're trying to uh, implement herd immunity. That's why we haven't gone into lockdown yet in the UK. But there's not 
there's not total agreement amongst the scientific community, is there? Well, it's not just the scientific community here, it's also the economic community that's got to be brought into the subject, because this whole difference of approach between outright lockdown mm. and going for the herd immunity comes down to are you just going to go into lockdown like literally this is the worst thing ever spanish flu style mm. and you've got to make sure this doesn't go any further mm. problem with that though is if you don't reach that herd immunity status this can just come back round and do the same thing again next year right yeah okay. um and so then... that's the argument against basically that's... on the medical terms yeah, at least yeah. but the economic one is if everything goes to lockdown the 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 traction um the wheels of economy stop right once they cease everything falls apart sure. so this is why there is a massive difference of approaches depending on what's the main focus of the government right um and we know the british government they're all about money right okay yeah so they're going for this herd immunity approach um because they want to keep the wheels of industry moving but as i say it's completely at odds with how uh, the french government the german government obviously the italian government um, are reacting where all of those countries now are in complete lockdown so in spain today we've seen news reports of drones uh, going out police drones telling spanish citizens that you know they should only travel um, if essential uh, in Spain, France uh, and Germany I believe now and Italy of course the only shops that are open are pharmacies and supermarkets, food shops, all um, restaurants, all kind of leisure sh uh, leisure activities all completely closed down so what we have now is, extreme. is and one of the reasons why I'm doing a recording on this we have events going on in Europe on our doorstep that are completely unprecedented outside of uh, wartime. Yeah. I mean, um, outside of our lifetimes. Yeah, I mean... You know, I it is really scary stuff. I think the um, media is already um, comparing it to wartime, isn't it? Yeah, sure. I think today we've heard that uh, the British government have said you can't travel to Spain, you can't fly to Spain unless it's an emergency. Of course, a few days ago, we had the announcement from the US President Trump that's banned basically 16 countries from Europe flying in and today that now includes UK and Ireland so essentially what we're seeing slowly but surely I've also heard today that Norway is completely going into lockdown that um, Germany is closing its borders Poland's closing its borders we are seeing the total lockdown of uh, of Europe I mean one big question to ask is this lockdown is that being classified as martial law or not, is not it just a... uh please stay at home yeah I mean in terms of the media's message we'll just go on to some of the reaction in terms of the media in recent days as i might have referenced earlier here in the uk on sky news and on the bbc news we're, we're getting a lot of reference to you know uh the fact that everyone's going to be affected by this and they keep sort of we we all need to help one another because it's going to be you know they're referencing this sort of war type mentality where the only way we're going to get through this is if we help one another and i'm beginning to get think what's the latest for uk is it 51 deaths um where's the what numbers the stats here they there? are um was it 35 35 deaths so far yeah um 39 new cases today yeah um i think there's something about 150 160 people actually infected okay. on official figures but in terms of official figures it doesn't warrant that kind of it doesn't warrant that kind of reaction from the media and actually the government have said today or the UK um, health spokesman has actually said today um, that on Thursday it's likely that the UK government is, an, is going to announce that anyone over 70 anyone over 70 is going to have to self-isolate for four months even if irrespective of whether they have any um, of the symptoms of coronavirus well to be honest i think that's a sensible move um not to that extreme degree yeah, but sure. that's a sensible move to anyone who's in those risk categories because at the end of the day um it's just better for yourself if you don't catch it because you know you are at a high risk of dying if you do catch it mm. but Whereas... then what, what about the impact on the mental health of over 70s being locked up essentially for four months well this is why I say I don't believe in the extreme measures. Yeah, I think sure. they should isolate. But honestly, um, 
things like this can come and go very quickly. And it's not like you could police something like that. You can, you know, how could you enforce it? You can't enforce it. I mean, at the end of the day, it's one of those just sensible ideas. Sure, yeah. yeah. Um, but with the media message, um, one of the worst things I find is that fear they're generating the public with sure, this. Yeah. I mean, like, if the media was to um, track the flu, the seasonal flu every year, sure, yeah. it would almost create as much panic as they're creating right now. Mm. I mean, the only reason they are doing this because... You know, it is something that could get so much worse because generally with seasonal flu, there is a certain amount of herd immunity that goes on. Mm. And that's why the death rate doesn't normally track as high. Mm. Um, but where we don't have um, an immunity to, to this new COVID-19, we are having to kind of like take extra measures. So do you blame the media then and their promulgation of fear for the reason why in the last week or so that many people have been panic buying and the supermarket shelves are being stripped of toilet paper for some rather yeah, strange Yeah, why food. toilet paper? I mean, paper? surely it should be foodstuffs in an, <laughs> any emergency or water. But it, it is in this last week in the UK that there's been that switch between, oh, coronavirus is something that's happening out there in the world. It doesn't really affect me to, oh, my God, shit, this, this might actually affect me and my family. And especially with talk of schools being closed. Yeah, really... I think that's going to the extreme measures, yeah. definitely. Um, you know, and yeah, the panic buying is just crazy. I don't quite understand it, especially with the toilet rolls, like you were saying. Mm. It's it's getting people into a frenzy. And um, to be honest, the conspiracy angle on this is, um, you know, if you get people into that fear, frenzied state, they'll they'll eat out of your hand. They're any, easier to control. Any solution you give them, sure. they'll, they'll take it because it's better than nothing. They won't think rationally. Um, and I think at the same time, like going back to what we were saying about um, how the UK isn't going into a lockdown, mm. I think it's kind of something to do with the British mentality as well, where if we did go to a lockdown, everyone would just be sighing, saying, really? Come on. <laughs> yeah, you mean it's like the cynical British mentality. Yeah, stiff upper lip, keep on marching yeah. on. Yeah, exactly. So in terms of... Um we look at the economic fallout and obviously it the um international uh, airline industry is going to take a massive hit a massive hit if this if this goes on for several months we could see a lot of even leading airlines go bust i saw a news story yesterday that said um the virgin airlines are going to need 7.5 billion bailout from the uk government wow that is just ridiculous. you know just to just to stay stay solvent and obviously, going on from that, the tourism industry across Europe is just going to take a massive hit. So a lot of hoteliers in beach resorts in the UK, they're likely to go out of business and all the associated industries. I mean, it's going to be an economic wipeout. Well, what was it? Flybee's already gone bust. Flybee, and yeah. they did 90% of the flights out of Southampton Airport. From locally here, from Southampton Airport. Um, yeah. So that's probably going to go downhill soon. Um, just the knock-on effect of the, the economics is ridiculous. And to be honest, especially with all the countries going into lockdown at the moment, um, that could ramp that up um, tenfold. I mean, at the end of the day, most businesses will have a certain, you know, supply reserves, on hand. but they do run on small margins. Yeah, I mean, some companies will have only a reserves of a couple of days. Others will have reserves for a couple of months. Sure. Um, but depending on how long that lockdown goes on, this could have far more consequences than we able to predict right now and in terms of the economic fallout related to all these big sporting events being closed i mean obviously the premier league clubs will be fine because they rely mostly mainly from the, for their income from sky tv revenue but lower league clubs are reliant upon gate receipts so if the, if the games aren't going on these lower league clubs are not going to get the money from gates receipts and again a lot of them have debt problems you know they're running on small margins so we might see a lot of lower league uh, uk based and Scottish-based uh, football clubs um, go out of business. So it's and and uh, we've got big sporting events um, that have been moved, like the London Marathon has been moved to October. There is talk that the European Football Championships will have to be postponed until next year. At the moment, they're saying that the 2020 Olympics um, in Japan 
in July is not going to be postponed, but I can't I can't see how that's going to. Are they take. just postponing everything? It's basically all the top line sports events. Um, the first couple of races for the Formula One season have been cancelled. I mean, it's like there's no there's virtually no live live sport on at the moment. Wow. So the best case scenario at the moment, Mike, is that here in the UK, this herd immunity tactic works. I mean, the fact is, we're safe. <laughs> I'm not convinced. We say base, best case scenario, but in reality, um, to attain that herd immunity, herd immunity requires the country, all at least sixty percent of the country yeah, getting this. Yeah, as you said earlier. Um, so we've got about seventy million people in the UK. We have, yeah. Um, so if you take sixty percent of that off the top of my head, let's just go for about say 40 or 50 million people affected sure. yeah? yeah um if you say that um say make the numbers a bit easier 10 percent of them become yeah. uh you know will die for it because straight up like this is going to affect people um and that's why everyone's a bit worried about this herd immunity plan it can work but at the same time it's one of those things that this is just again talking about pure numbers yeah. but it doesn't take into account um you know, if that whole 60% of the population is actually young, healthy people with yeah. a good immune system, yeah. then you're almost going to get virtually no deaths out of this. Right, okay. And then that herd immunity will then help affect the people that are high risk. Sure. And then it won't be an issue at all. But it is a massive gamble. It is. And this is why I'm saying that the best advice is, if you are in a high risk, take precautionary measures. If you're not in a high risk, then again, do the helpful things. Wash your hands. Make sure you you don't um, pass it on. If you're feeling a bit ill, isolate yourself to help other people. Uh, um, it's just common sense. At the and end in terms of, of it being a gamble, I've seen two or three interviews with with uh, medics and doctors in Italy saying, you know, the UK government's stance is wrong, and they're 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 risking, you know, um, a massive outbreak um, in the UK. Well, yes, and that is the concern. And that's why we're saying, yeah, best case scenario, still not a great option, but that's the best we're going to hope. And I mean, truth is, at the date of this recording, the government measures is this, this could change in future, you never know. But I did read one article that said that um, because the lockdown is just purely unsustainable, mm. um, even other countries might have to eventually go down to the to the British model sure. because of the unsustainability of it. And also, what we're looking at, would you say, in terms of the global economy, is probably, you know, uh, a recession is going to be the best best case scenario. I mean, the worst case scenario is just too horrific to think of. We yeah. are looking at a, a lot of job losses, even if this plateaus around about late spring early summer we are looking at you know pretty horrific number of jobs i was going to say the big businesses that can take the hit will take the hit and keep on going mm. um you know like you said job losses you know downsize um it's the businesses that can't can't cope in the in the current climate those are the ones we've got to be worried about mm. Mm. yeah definitely but anyway i think that pretty much covers up the uh best where, where, case scenario yeah. of kind of like you know we get over it, we're all fine, um, you know, it was just another one of those things. It most probably had about twice the number of deaths as average seasonal flu. Sure. But, you know, we get through it and we carry on. I mean, one thing that would lend credence to a best case scenario is China, they've got a, a good handle on outbreaks, haven't they? So the outbreaks have, have dropped quite a lot, dramatically, haven't they? To the extent that I think even in Wuhan province, which was the epicentre of the outbreak, things are starting slowly to return to normal. Things are beginning to, to, to you know, industries beginning to open and shops are beginning to open and people are beginning to go about their normal business. So Things well, are recovering. But then sense. their approach wasn't. Uh, herd immunity they 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 approached where they just locked down more Actually, or less not really i mean their initial response was slow and sluggish and they was were it? almost pretending it wasn't so happening. then they just dramatically shifted and that's why it suddenly got to a point that it infected a load of people and then sure. they shifted to the lockdown right okay. and to be honest um the uk could do that if suddenly the initial surge sure. is too much for the nhs to handle 
Right. I mean, this is the thing within the scientific medical community with this at the moment, is they're talking about flattening the curve. Yeah. So you don't get a huge spike of cases at once. Yeah. Too much for the NHS to handle. And then suddenly you've got unnecessary deaths or where there's not enough medication to go around to help everybody. Yeah. But if the curve is flattened out, yeah. the resources are there to help everyone when they need it, and it's able to actually um, lower the total number of deaths. Mm even though the same number of people will get infected. Mm. Well, let, let's let's uh, keep our fingers crossed. Yeah, that, you know, I know I am. That is the best case scenario, and we can we can minimise the amount of deaths. But, you know, with, in terms of what's going on in Italy and uh, Iran at the moment, it's not looking ho ho hopeful. Because if we were to mirror both of those countries, well, it, it could really get out of hand, couldn't it? Well... I'm not sure on the exact facts on this, but I think the general um, health standards of the UK is a bit slightly higher mm. um, to be able to award, allow us to have a better sense of kind of like health. Mm. I mean, like one thing with Italy, I and I'm just assuming this one is the whole kind of like you know greeting someone kissing on the cheeks right. okay. so much more easily Gregarious to pass um that yeah. infection along in that way mm -hmm. and then like habits in other countries um could help i mean like just for example talking about china mm -hmm. where their death rate actually only tracks at a 3.6 percent when they it was that the outbreak happened there mm -hmm. actually shows that um their habits um and their reaction obviously helps lower the deaths there. Mm, yeah. Because, I mean, like, what was that? A lot of them wear masks anyway. They do, yeah. Which, I know the masks don't do much to help, but, you know, the whole thing of, like, because they don't breathe in the smog as much, they mm. might be healthier. You know, all these become factors into the overall death rate. Mm, and talking of breathing in the smog, one thing we forgot to talk about was the environmental impact. Oh, yeah. <laughs> in terms of those satellite images that we've probably all seen of the, oh, yeah, China. Once they did the lockdown in China, um, they saw that the smog was almost disappearing. Mm. Um, so it's fantastic to see there can be some good out of this. Mm. It's just a shame people have to die to get there. For sure. So, Mike, I think we'll move on now and we're going to look at some of the uh, more conspiratorial, shall we say, um, versions of what is actually going on. So, so um, analysis outside of um, the mainstream narrative, shall we see? I mean, a lot of these I've seen on Facebook uh, Facebook posts when they haven't been um, banned uh, for being uh, what's the word fact tested that's the big thing that they do fake news fake news <laughs> yeah so first of all in terms of the coronavirus outbreak what we're going to look at is the virus itself so um, within conspiracy circles and I think both Mike and I uh, would agree with this that the virus itself are is is a weaponized yeah so um this goes to the fact that everyone's pretty much assuming already that this is something that's come out of the wuhan facility yeah, yeah? and it's not it wasn't you know to do with um how should we say uh, underhand chinese um standards of cooking yeah <laughs> all combining bats with other animals <laughs> i mean the the big difference here is was this an accidental or on purpose release mm. you know that's to be known um, but the interesting thing is there's some books that were actually released sure. many years ago that actually somehow foretold this. Yeah, there's a couple of books that actually prophesied what's going on now. So the first one is a book called The Eye of Darkness by Dean Kuntz. That's K-O-O-N-T-Z. And that was released in 1981. And it was a story of a lethal virus developed as a bioweapon in the Chinese city of Wuhan, of all places. Well, well, I never. <laughs> I think they referenced that one in the book, like Wuhan 400 or something like I that. I believe so. And the second book uh, is called The End of Days by Sylvia Brown. That's Brown with an E, which was released in 2008. I'll just give you a brief extract from the book. And I quote, in around 2020, a severe pneumonia-like illness will spread throughout the globe, attacking the lungs and bronchial tubes, resisting all known treatments. Almost more baffling than the illness itself will be the fact that it will suddenly vanish as quickly as it arrived, attacked again 10 years later, and then disappear completely. Well, 
Isn't that interesting? Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> I mean, if anything, it gives us a little bit of hope if it is foretelling. Well, yeah. Because the fact that it will just disappear soon. Yeah, that and is that's the hope. We're all hoping for that one. Yeah. But it is just so fascinating how, like, these books, one released in, like, the 80s, yeah. wasn't it? One yeah. released in 2008. 2008. Yeah. They both... Prophesized. This thing. Yeah. So um, this does point to the fact that it could be something, you know, on purpose to be done. You know, it was released at this time. Um, and there was a Simpsons episode, but, I mean, that could have been related to SARS or but, any number of viruses. Well, it does mention corona, but then again, SARS is a coronavirus. Yeah, yeah, sure. And it, that one was sneezing into a box and sending sure. it across, <laughs> where we know this one doesn't spread that way. Sure. Um, so what else have we got? In the, terms other... of the new rules for the director? Oh, yeah. yeah. So um, I read some information. I don't know if it's fully confirmed or not. But it was the f two bits of information separately. One was um, there was going to be new rules implemented for any um, bioweapons research yeah. um, facilities. Um, Just in that province, up, yeah. No, but um, as far as I'm aware, it was only Wu Wuhan, Wuhan that right. was one of those facilities. Got, yeah. So even though they what a coincidence. Yeah, and then the second bit is that I heard on the same day that the Wuhan facility has a brand new director. Really. <laughs> <laughs> So they point to the fact that it pretty much does sound like it come from Wuhan. It most probably is a weaponized version. Um, and books actually foretold this long ago. Well, I believe, as with a lot of these events, that there was war games going on. What's that? No, well, actually, before we get into the war games bit, yeah. um, another thing to point to the verification of this um, theory is the fact that um, the immediate lockdown response of so many countries, it could be that they're in the know and know it's a weaponized version. Right, okay. It is more deadly. So they were foretold, yeah. So that's why a lot of people are doing this whole lockdown thing. Yeah. Um, so, you know, as far as theories go, I'll give this like a, a five star. Right. So five for being close to the truth. Yeah. You know. One being uh, not close to the truth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> at the end of the day no one really knows what happened no, we weren't no, there no. we can't verify no, sure. you know but based on the information we heard you sure. know and smoke signals that are coming up from other places even in official data sure. it's just the most likely thing there yeah and i mean the interesting connection there is in the war games you were mentioning yeah. is the fact that Whenever things like this happen, there's always sometimes, oh, there was a war game there not too long ago, or there was a test drill or exercise yeah, the before test drill this. That went, that went live, like on 7-7, seven, seven, yeah. Yeah, so um, it's just interesting that that coincides with this Wuhan area as well. Um, but I think we should get on now to the whole kind of like 5G connection that we've seen um, so seen lo much. loads on Facebook about 5G. Yeah, so it's quite interesting, that one. I mean, to be honest, I don't know about you, but I don't know a huge amount about that. Um, but looking into it um, to research it for this episode, mm. um, it's kind of trying to implement a new model of um, how viruses spread. Right. Um, so currently we're like, you get a virus, it's on your germs, you sneeze, you spread it out, you know, it gets out everywhere. Spread it on your person, yeah. Yeah, so it's all about germ contact. Um, but this kind of like promotes the idea that you're actually um, absorbing electromagnetic radiation through the 5G signals mm. into your body, which mm. makes your cells ill. They essentially secrete um, bits of... DNA or proteins and stuff like that that essentially look like a, a virus mm. and I mean honestly speaking it sounds a bit weird and trying it's quite far out there isn't it yeah I mean it sounds like a whole new rabbit hole because I've only just learned about this um, a couple of days ago and honestly I'm not a big believer in this one myself I mean what's your take on it I think there is some plausibility. I would give it a two out of five rather than a five, but that might be because I don't want to believe it because I don't because <laughs> I don't want to uh, think of the consequences of it being true because they're just too hideous. Oh, it's a bit like you know the fact you know are they spraying nanoparticles uh, in the chemtrails? Uh, it, it's like it's one of those things that's so dark, it's so evil. I don't want to believe it. Do you know <laughs> what I mean, Mike? I just don't want to comprehend that level of. <laughs> evilness yeah it is i mean the whole so that's thing why is, i give it one <laughs> i mean for me it's like the science seems to be contradicting um 
standard conceptual ideas about um, germs and viruses turning it all on its head and honestly I can't quite get behind that one mm. but I mean I do admit the 5G signals haven't been tested for safety standards um, within the human absorption spectrum and we don't know what effect it will have on the human body. So, I mean it could just lower your immune system to make it more likely that you'll sure. suffer from this um, and there does seem to be an interesting connection with um, the areas that have 5G yes. and the areas that this seems to be affecting. Yeah, so just to add to your point, so what I've seen on Facebook is that the Wuhan area is one of the main areas well, apparently it was one where of the first it's being trialled. And also in Milan, in, it in Italy, in the northern provinces, where the, this is the epicentre of the outbreak, again, that was one of the areas where they were trialling 5G but then it does break down in Iran because I don't I don't think that uh, the 5G network certainly outside of Tehran would be very well developed we, well it isn't in the UK yet is it really no we've only got it in a few major cities and even I then it's London, only in, and even then it's only just in the actual city centres itself not yeah. in the suburbs no because it just can't reach that far so I think that might be a red herring but I you know I, I don't know to yeah honest. interesting connection um it could just be as simple as for the people that are in the 5 area um, it lowers their immune system response so um, the virus affects them more um, but honestly when it comes to that kind of like trying to flip germ theory on its head I'm not yeah. with that one at all so yeah one to two stars I reckon so yeah I would tend to agree with you so lastly on the virus itself we've got the fact that this is really all about the implementation of mandatory vaccines now um, I can't really, I don't have an issue with that. I think a, a lot of what is being implemented in terms of lockdown is to put people into such an extreme state of fear that they'll demand the vaccine, let alone the government or the state needing to implement some clandestine uh, mandatory vaccinating programme. A lot of people, not us, I'd rather <laughs> have a bullet in the head than the vaccine. So I think that's quite a, a I don't even see that as a, a conspiracy theory, that the, the whole vaccine element. To me, that's common sense. Yeah, I mean, the big <laughs> so difference... So I give it a five out of five for validity. I mean, the big thing here is there's yeah. um, different levels of how they can introduce the vaccines. Yeah. So, um, you know, they're already working on the vaccine. I think Israel said they've already got a working Israel vaccine. Israel is saying that they're within weeks. I saw reports on Facebook that apparently Bill Gates uh, patented a vaccine back in November, so it's ready to roll. But again, you just don't know what to believe. There's all these contradictory reports. I mean, the worst thing from a medical standpoint is the vaccine doesn't make much sense now. No. Because not it's now. already out there. Sure. I mean, coming up with a cure for it, uh, the medication to help. That's, that's a different story. I mean, yeah, so at the end of the day, the vaccine's only going to help people that don't have it. So and you never know if you truly have it or don't have it for the first, I think it's nearly a week. Sure. So you could have it already, give yourself the vaccine, and then just give yourself a harder time on the recovery sure. path. Yeah. Um, but the vaccine could go to the point of like mandatory vaccines enforced to everyone, mm. um, travel bans if you haven't had it. So that's where it goes to the more extreme Where, where they have to implement some form of martial law. And then in that situation, certain elements of the public, you know, would react very negatively. So, you know, you'd need like a military enforcement of that, which would be tricky because, as we know, the real conspiracy is, you know, the conspiracy of controlling us through the mind, not really at the end of a gun barrel. Well, what did you just say earlier, Anthony? The fact that they'll eat it up, they'll want the vaccine, exactly. they'll ask for it. So they'll that's why they won't it. need the military. Well, maybe for us they will, Mark, and some of <laughs> Mark, Mike, and some of our listeners. Um, so but... I'd, I'd say, as again, repeat that, I'd give that a five. I think that's quite a plausible. Now, whether they'll run through with the whole idea of mandatory, we don't know. We'll come on to that a bit more a bit later. Yeah, that's Mike. all to be seen and just, you know, it's on a spectrum, essentially. So, Mike, the other area of the idea of this being a conspiracy or conspiracy theory element is as we know often with these events so we've got an event that plays out in the mainstream media but what's not talked about in the mainstream is the real agenda so what we're moving on to now is this idea of what is this coronavirus what is it hiding that's going on in the background yeah what's not 
being talked what's, about in the mainstream media. So what's, yeah. Um, and I think the first one we're going to talk about is the CEO mass migration that seems to be happening at the moment. Right, yeah. So I literally only picked up on this a few days ago and then we discussed it before we did this recording. And literally in the last year or so, there's been, you know, hundreds of uh, C, uh, CEOs of major companies across the globe that are resigning for some reason. So now maybe they've been given a heads up as to what's happening. Yeah, so it's quite interesting, like you said, um, last year, mm. over a thousand CEOs stepped down. Mm. That's um, an extraordinary figure, isn't it? Yeah, so extraordinary that um, it's even higher than in the 2008 Big Crunch. Really? Yeah. So more CEOs are stepping down now. Right. Um, around this period, because it's still happening, there's more and more stepping sure. down all the time. And it's quite unprecedented, that level of um, CEOs dropping down. Right. So are we led to believe then that the reason why they're doing that is because they're going to head to safe territory in places like New Zealand? You know, they're, they're well kitted out bunkers so they can they can avoid the collapse or meltdown. Well, I mean... It, or could they be, be taken out for other reasons? I mean, it know. could be that this coronavirus was set out on purpose... Um, to actually cover up the fact that the economy was going to go through another pop of a bubble. Yeah. Yeah, we were going to go through the same story again, and at the end of the day, the public reaction would be, we're going to stop you doing this now, because mm. we're fed up with going through these bubbles. Mm. Um, whereas if it, the economy collapses because of so-called, you know, the lockdown that oh, we put so, into place... So if, because of the virus, the coronavirus, people are more accepting of like, this whole idea of... Uh, you know, crash and then it recovers. And if they were, if they just crash the economy in no other pretext, then the the global population would probably get a bit uppity and angry. Whereas if they just go, well, it's just because of the coronavirus, the global economy's collapsed. What did you expect? Everyone will accept oh, yeah, it. Yeah. 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 So it could be that they've known it's coming. They're getting out before mm. it all collapses. Shit, it's a fan. So it would make sense in that way. Um, so yeah, it's quite interesting seeing that side of it. Yeah. So I would actually say this is quite highly likely. So what figure would you give it out of one to five? One not being very plausible and one be five being plausible. I mean, it depends what aspect of this conspiracy you want to take. Mm. Um, to the idea that um, it's a complete cover up. They knew it was happening and they released this on purpose for that thing. I mean, that's about a three or a four stars. But if mm. you go to the fact that um, just CEOs are mass migrating, I mean, that's happening. That's recorded data. You mm. can't deny that one. Yeah. So probably give it a four or five. Yeah, definitely. So the other thing that I've only seen recently is this idea that the coronavirus is a cover for the fact the, the fact that at the moment there there are mass arrests going on of those involved in the elite paedophile rings yeah so this one is very juicy and interesting it only came to my attention a couple of days ago mm. um so i don't know the full extent about this or there's no verification at this moment mm. but um it seems to be that um the coronavirus is not necessarily started for this purpose, but no, being used exactly, as a cover-up exactly. um, to get over the fact that essentially a lot of people in highly respected positions mm. are essentially being, um, essentially got caught, um, you know, because of the whole Weinstein leaks. Yeah. Because um, apparently... And the Epstein Black Book as well. Yep. Yeah, so apparently there's a lot of names that have been um, put out there as known paedophiles. Mm. Um and they're all being arrested. But the reason they've got to cover it up is because so many of people that we look up so to... Exactly. So they're drip feeding at the moment. So some of the figures that we've seen are the Hollywood movie star Tom Hanks. But especially big one is uh, apparently the Canadian uh, Prime Minister and his wife... They've both got coronavirus. So. Yeah, I think that one was more to do with um, the financial ties to yeah, all yeah. of it. Than, sure. But um, no one knows the true extent of this. Sure. Um, and the website we both looked at earlier is saying that there's other figures coming, like Madonna and other leading Hollywood figures that are also going to get the virus. <laughs> and essentially, um, this comes down to they get a choice. They can either um, get the virus, so-called die from the virus 
and get and just live out their life in in an in anonymity. Is that right? Yeah, they get moved to a special underground bunker or a private island somewhere sure. to live out their life. Um, or the other choice is to to not go through that and get their face dragged through court um, and go through trial proceedings. Sure. Um, so most people are choosing the oh, I got coronavirus option by the sounds. But then, of how it. does the system, how does the system explain so many people? I mean, if we're talking about the guy on this website was talking about thousands, wasn't he? Yes, um, and this can quite easily be covered up, um, considering the fact that um, the virus has actually made it to America now and it starts hitting there. Mm. Um, they can just say, look, there's been a mass outbreak. I mean, you know, Hollywood elites and their parties, sure. it's spread around it's from spread. that. Yeah. Um, and now, you know, like a lot of major Hollywood stars have got it, you know, sure. people in high positions and businesses, sure. you know. Um, so they can just be like, they hide them in the numbers. Right, okay. Um, so what about plausibility level one or five? Well, there is a bit more to this story in the fact that, um, oh, what am I saying? <laughs> it's a lot to cover on this. Yeah. I mean, to say that, um, the plausibility of it, where there's no verifications, um, unless I see an official website that has like an arrest warrant for say Tom Hanks on this, I, I can't give it a full plausibility, sure. but in terms of logic, mm. um, it does rank quite high because at the end of the day, if I was running the show yeah. and I knew this stuff was coming out, but I didn't want it to be so obvious, yeah. it's essentially what I would do. Yeah. Yeah. So it's quite a clever trick. Yeah, so I would give it a fairly high, high probability ranking, um, somewhere around the three to four stars. Mm. I think I'm going to hedge my bets, Mike, and I'm going to go for a three. I think it's a three because some of what I've seen on the website, I look at it and think, yes, yes, I want this to happen. You know, this is going to mean the system's going to collapse. We're going to get rid of all these evil paedophiles and these Satanists. And then I'm looking and thinking that, well, maybe this is a disinformation because, you know, that's what these conspiracy types like me want to see. So, you know, but then, like you said, it could be a plausible ploy. Yeah, I mean, until we actually know more information, mm. can't know for sure. But, you know, it sounds like a sensible move to make. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Go check it out. It's an interesting, uh, interesting story that's unfold unfolding. And in the coming weeks, we, we might see more leading figures with coronavirus. Yeah, I mean, because, you know, if the people they mention actually do come down with it. Yeah, you... then it's, it adds credence. Exactly. And, that, and that's what you need when it comes to, you know, probable stories like this. You sure. Can... So the last uh, thing in terms of uh, looking at the coronavirus from a conspiracy angle is what uh, Mike and I, the kind of literature we've been looking at, well, for me, because I'm an old git in the last 15 years, maybe not so long for Mike, is this idea that um, the, the final push, so the coronavirus, what it actually equates to is the, the, the last push for the implementation of the new world order, the dreaded new world order. You the know? moment everyone's been waiting for. The moment, for. finally, you know, all those recalcitrant sheep that we've been trying to wake up now for many years and say look see i told you i needed that to have that gas canister in the loft i told you all that pasta you know and water would come in handy now we're in lockdown yeah all the preppers you know it's, they're gonna have a field day about yeah, this it's like the conspiracy kind of jizz moment isn't it? <laughs> but be careful there's not enough toilet paper to go around. <laughs> yeah yeah so not too much jizzing around <laughs> So, yeah. Mike, um, obviously the, the main area for this is economic collapse, which we stated, you know, as a fact that it's actually happening now. <laughs> so you yeah. don't need to wear those conspiracy they live lenses, do you? No. To see the fact that it's we're all gonna, coming into play, it's falling all coming into, into place. Plain sight. I mean, the thing I would say about this is the economic collapse could get um, to the point where um, the, the, the rich kind of like do a double take on, you know, make everyone poorer by crashing the market. But sure. because they've invested in the market collapsing, sure. they actually make money out of its collapse. Yeah. And uh, the other thing about the economics collapse is we've seen, you know, so much stuff online about the fact that the Illuminati or the secret cabal or whatever you want to call them want to destroy the middle class. Um, well, this economic collapse would do that because it'd be a lot of small business, small businesses that basically will be run by middle class people that are going to get smashed 
And also, if you think of the Georgia Guidestones, they talk about the, you know, the eradication of, of the middle class and the mass die off, leading a leaving a global population of 500 million. So it buys into a lot of these, you know, kind of conspiracy that have been going for a long time. That have been time. going around. So, but I think at the very least, um, I think it's going to be, you know, at hard times, even if they don't destroy you know, this, the, the, the the middle class. And, and in terms of a rating of one to five, I would give it a four or five. I think it's, I think this is part of a clandestine plan, if you like. Like we were saying before, people would not be very accepting of yet another economic collapse after, you know, the financial collapse of 20, 12 years ago when the banks, through their dodgy lending practices, a lot of them went bust and had to be bailed out by the taxpayers. I think within the context of, a you know uh, a virus outbreak people are a lot more accepting so i think there is, there is a conspiracy angle going on there oh definitely it just depends uh how far it goes because at the end of the day um we know economic problems are going to happen sure we just don't know how bad they're going to yeah. be so, so that's why just to add we will do another recording on this because we don't know in a month's time it could completely change i mean hopefully fingers crossed things will look a lot more encouraging but as we're sat here today, certainly here in Western Europe and Northern Europe, things are looking grim. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we should definitely do a the Fallout episode. The Fallout, <laughs> Fallout, yeah. So, was there anything else you wanted to say on that, Mike? Um, move not on? really. Let's move uh, on to the martial law, shall yeah, we? Yeah, again, uh, uh, something spoken about in conspiracy circles a lot. You know, with those plastic coffins that we've seen on railway sidings. And oh, and the FEMA, FEMA camps. camps in the States. Um I personally think um, that this could well be the final push for the New World Order. It's looking like that. And the reason why I say that is, as I've said at the beginning, a lot of the measures being implemented, certainly here in Western Europe and Northern Europe, are unprecedented outside of wartime. Yeah. So I think I think they could be going for it. I, could, I think this could be, you know, we could be in for some dark times. I mean, the way I take this martial law aspect is like, especially in America right now, I think yeah. I heard a report um, on sort of yesterday that said there is like a paramilitary um, thing, people within the city's areas, but they're only, pardon me, <laughs> they're only helping with, um, you know, resources and making sure things get to where to they need. With right now exactly everyone's actually already worrying in america about martial law i think um so by the sounds of it it's quite likely that that will happen over there if it spreads far enough because mm. i don't think they're just going to snap their fingers go right martial law time when there's only say two hundred thousand cases among sure. the whole of america but i some... think that will depend i think if it if it escalates to the percentage levels of iran and italy then we could see it. But... Martial law in an instant, yeah, definitely. But then the thing is, obviously I don't live in America, but a lot of our listeners come from the States, and they will probably agree with me. The thing about America, the American people are armed, and it's a vast continent. The UK is easy to lock down. With this little island, it's an easy, it's an easy demographic to lock down. The States is not. It's such a vast country, and outside of the big cities... How they're going to lock down those areas? Yeah, so I think that the reality of a martial law. But I think if if these circumstances come about where they can implement it, I think they'd go for it. Yeah, I agree with you, Mike. So I'd give it a four. Yeah, four. four of I would say four to five stars because in America, definitely going to happen. Sure. In the UK, I really don't think they're going to go to that level. No. Unless it hits big time. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, I don't think we'll I don't think we'll see military on the streets, which essentially is what we're talking about with martial yeah. law in the UK. Because I think a lot of UK people are so subservient that they'll just lock themselves away and just get on with it. Shut out, put the TV <laughs> exactly. on, have a cuppa. Exactly. <laughs> That's not too bad. We've got some gruel coming. That's when you run out of the dipping biscuits. <laughs> so stock off on them, people. Yeah. Um, but I think the big thing here is going to be what happens to our money. So like um, every day, yeah. With um, I think they're going to try and lead us to a cashless society based out of this. Right. Okay. Um, the reason being is because um, they're going to use the excuse of you know we transfer so much germs when we um hand and over. And that's already money. lots of news stories saying the virus can be uh transferred through dirty money. <laughs> Why haven't we cleaned it through the? <laughs> <laughs> 
oh crap, they're going to find us out. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so they're going to try and move towards this. Um, maybe country... not. Maybe it will be the next step towards it. That's well, what I think. I'll put it this way. I reckon once this is all said and done, um, because of the amount of panic that's been created, yeah. and especially if there's enough people that die from this, um, there's going to be have to be a statement. Sure. We're going to implement new measures so sure. this never happens again. And one of those is most probably going to be um, the end of cash in terms of as we your money. Yeah, as we were talking about before, some of the language I've seen in the analysis of this coronavirus here in the UK is journalists and correspondents are using words like it's the new reality, it's a new way of living, things will never be the same again. So they're already leading us towards this idea that life's going to be completely different. Well, ergo, we might need a new monetary system or yeah. a, new, a new means of exchange. And as like David Icke says in, in a lot of his research, when the powers that be want to implement the most dramatic change, the easiest place to do it is out of chaos, order yeah. out of chaos. Exactly, that's their operating um, modus operandi. Absolutely. Um, and the other thing to say with this um, cashless society is um, there's a possibility it could just go to right, everyone uses contactless cards, that way yeah. you never actually Debit touch cards, something yeah. that someone else touches. Yeah. Um, but it could go as far as actually they're going to implement a new monetary system a bit sure. like bitcoin yeah interesting to actually bitcoin has kind of like dropped by 20 percent Recent. recently yeah. yeah it's plummeted hasn't it yeah um so it could be they're destroying that to kind of like implement their new one they, sure. that's going to come out after sure. you know the we have recovered sponsored bitcoin if you like <laughs> yeah exactly. usurp bitcoin yeah um now this one's a bit hard to judge because honestly within the uk We've only just introduced a new £20 note, and yeah. there's a lot of investment involved in, you know, designing it, printing it, and releasing it out into the public. Um, so I very much doubt that um, the country is going to get rid of that unless um, the herd immunity approach actually does kill off. Sure. You know, your 700,000, your million I... people. You know, if a million people in the UK die from this, then we might think and about if those, going cashless. And if those levels were mirrored across Western Europe and North America, I agree. I think if this is a global pandemic that kills millions of people, then people aren't going to be worried about the state introducing a new, you know, a new digital coin. It's just but, thanks to arm alive. Exactly. But if it tails out like it's doing in China, I think this will just be the next step towards a digital coin. So I would say in terms of... It, a, a digital currency, a global digital currency coming about, I'd only put it at two. Yeah, I mean, globally, definitely, but yeah. um, country, individual countries might start implementing their, their own. own system yeah. if it affected them enough. It really yeah. depends where they want to go with it. So, because yeah. each country is different. Like in the UK, although our, our reliance on cash is reducing, it's still no nowhere as low as uh, countries like in Scandinavia, like Sweden and Denmark, where 70 to 80% of their exchanges are done by a card or Google Pay or whatever payment method you use. So we're not quite up to speed. So it will be country specific. Yeah, definitely. Mm. Um, so talking about different countries um mm. i reckon there's going to be a lot of um restricted travel mm. after this well we're going through this now obviously with trump's announcement and uh, other countries you know closing their borders and what i think will happen is that obviously travel we've got used to cheap uh, uh airline travel and i think this feeds into the green agenda of whereby in future it will be more expensive and now they've got the perfect excuse it's like well we need to save the planet and after the coronavirus well things are just going to get more difficult and it's going to cost you more so that's where i think they're going to manipulate things in order to you know buy into the green agenda i mean i think it's going to go even worse than the fact that um not only can you not travel if you haven't had all your inoculations. Oh, I forgot that's the one. Yeah. yeah. So um, me and you and me are screwed, aren't we? Also, I reckon they will um, eventually get to a point of they're only let you travel abroad on a plane if you've actually had a blood test and cleared. Yeah, exactly. You know, do you have anything sure. that you could spread to other people? Sure. No, you're clear. You yeah. can travel. Um, so they could go really hardcore with this. They could. Yeah. But. 
it all depends on how bad this affects and how much they can get away with. Because sure. if it only kills about 5,000 people, no, if it only kills about seven to 10,000 people worldwide by the sure. end of this, yeah. going to that extreme is not going to be acceptable um, to the public. But sure. if it kills closer to, you know, 50,000, 100,000 people worldwide, yeah. um, or even more, then that's when people start going, okay, maybe that might be a good idea. I agree. And a proper, I would, I would assume a lot of our listeners do that the sensible uh, reaction or analysis at this point is that a lot of these conspiracy outcomes that we're looking at, um, really their plausibility is based on, you know, the outcome of, of the, the virus outbreak and, and what the death rates are. And hopefully, as I said, relating back to China, it, it does peter out. But I feel if the death rates do spike for a prolonged period, then the powers that be um, will look at various their own agendas and yeah, will try and and push things uh, to the extreme. That's why it will be interesting to do another recording, won't it? Yes, yeah, in a few what weeks. The fallout is like you know how things are changing. So we've got this last point, Mike, is about um, the fact that obviously we're going to have a huge reduction in uh, standard of living. Uh, that will come out um, from this coronavirus and as we were saying earlier I mean if they wanted to do that then obviously this is a good cover for it but if they were going to implement that through other means through just an economic crash then the population would get a bit angry because like we were saying before so this is again a perfect cover isn't it exactly I mean we're already feeling um, a sense of this from the panic buying that's going on at the moment Um, You know, the fact that no one's got any toilet paper. <laughs> How are we going to cope? I know, I know. Um, but these sort of things are going to have serious knock-on effects, um, especially um, if the economic collapse happens, sure. then the standing of everything is going to go seriously down. Mm. Um, but hopefully this is just, you know, it will disappear in a month or so. And, mm. you know, the, the worst effects is the quarantine that was put on um, countries, the lockdowns, mm. Mm. Um, that stopped the trade and you get a blip in the economy from that. And then, and then countries can recover. I mean, my... Um, my 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 main concern is how long do these countries, uh, the special measures that they've introduced, how long do they stay in place? Because obviously, the longer they stay in place, the more the state and the governments within all these countries, primarily at the moment, uh, Western Europe, will think, well, we can just leave them in place. It's like when do emergency re- uh, measures become permanent measures? Exactly. That's what I mean, we got to watch for. Just like the prequels in Star Wars. <laughs> Palpatine took uh, emergency measures on board and then became the new emperor. You know, that that's that's what we've got to watch out for, really. Um, yeah, so um, that is essentially worst-case scenario. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we here at Discerning Conscious always like to add a um, more enlightening viewpoint, you know, not, sure. to, not to buy into the fear and panic and hope for a better future. Yeah, and obviously the analysis we've done, Mike, uh, for the benefit of our listeners, has been based on official figures. Now we don't know how these we don't know whether these are true or not. You can go on Facebook, you know, any time or day, and there'll be a story about the fact that in China it's being underplayed, in China it's being overplayed, in Italy it's being downplayed, in Italy it's being overplayed. We just don't know. All we can go on is the official figures. That's, it, that's I mean, that's all we can really go on. Exactly. Until um, until it hits us ourselves, we're just um, going along with the flow in this. Yeah, and, and just to, to leave you guys with the fact that um, we're, we're concerned uh, because of these lockdowns, but we're not panicking, are we? Neither, yeah. of, us are, neither of us are panic buying uh, at the moment. I think that the thing is, you know, as people uh, like a lot of our listeners that research conspiracies, are interested in alternative histories, are interested in, you know, the nature of reality, are interested in esoteric teachings... So have a bit of insight, maybe, more than the average person to life. I think the, the thing is to be a model to your fellow citizen and, like, you know, don't be like an arrogant prick, like, oh, I know what's going on, there's this conspiracy, but just to, you know, just be solid, just be, you know, calm. And if people come to you with concerns about what's going on, 
maybe well you know have you thought about this have you thought but don't but don't panic them and, and don't and don't like i've been doing recently i'm a terrible example like <laughs> look a lot of the mainstream news because the mainstream news is awful here at the, yeah, in, the in the uk in the uk at the moment you would think there were dead corpses on the street I mean, yeah it, it's, it's like fear central um but that's why i'm saying don't buy into that so much i mean it's one of the famous quotes like there's two walls fear and love which one which do you, one do you feed? feed we've mentioned before yeah so um yeah let's tr try not to feed into the fear let's try not go out panic buying um you know just take sensible precautions and to be honest i reckon most people are going to be fine from this. yeah i mean just fingers crossed that you know as we've said before the, the indications for china are that it it's reached a peak there and and that it will will peter out kind of thing so anyway we will um revisit the issue of coronavirus because it is interesting because i mean by the day developments that are going on are just like quite mind-blowing because there really is a big power grab going on by states and governments around i know right the western world i mean everything we've said today is on recording of today the yeah. what 15th of march yeah um so by the time this comes out things yeah. could already be different mm. and so if you want to reach us here at discerning consciousness um basically the best thing to do is go to our facebook page so we have a facebook page and on there uh, we've got all our previous episodes listed you can message us there we also uh have a facebook group so you can join that and you can post any information about coronavirus or anything else mike anything that you care you care to uh, post also if you'd like to keep updated with the most recent episodes as we publish them then please do follow us on podomatic and you'll get a little email in your inbox when we up upload a new episode and just to finish really if if you have any strong views about coronavirus or um, want to correct us on anything we've said um, please, please do feel contact, free. contact us through facebook um it is i feel both of us we're on the precipice of unprecedented times. I still have the hope that we, you know, things can just be pulled back. And we can return to normality. And we can, but as I said a few minutes ago, my fear is that these emergency measures get locked in for, for several months. And, you know, we're already being told here in the UK, our government is alluding to that. And that's what's kind of scaring both of us in a way. Um, I wouldn't say scary, just slightly concerning. Well, I'm a lot older. I'm nearer that older age group that needs to self-quarantine, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. that's why you've got to remember my fear is slightly higher. Yeah, but I mean, <laughs> I mean, I know there are some people that have been in their forties and fifties that have died from this, mm. but um, normally more outlier cases. I mean, the general death rate from what I've heard is like 60 plus. Sure. And the immune compromised. Sure. So, uh, yeah. That should like be I okay said, then. Don't panic too much. Okay. <laughs> Even if you're an old git in his late 40s light ants. Really. <laughs> so, um, thank you so much for tuning in, everyone. We hope you've enjoyed listening. A bit of a change from the norm, Mike, doing a current event, but we thought... Well, it was only fair, wasn't it, really, yeah. to bring our understanding? Considering how much fear and panic was going on, um, mm. and we at here in and Conscious are all about trying to take a more calm, more kind of like timid approach to things mm. like this, I thought it was worth our two cents getting it. Yeah, and we thought we hope we've, we've shared with you some interesting things that you haven't thought about before. You can go away and research yourself. So I'll just leave you with our little show motif. Remember, folks, if you're not in control of your consciousness, then someone else is. Bye for now.